0: Hi, I'm Paul Jay, and this is the Analysis.News podcast. This episode is produced in cooperation with Other News, Voices Against the Tide. I've always thought that one country that could decide the fate of the world is Brazil. It's the eighth largest economy in the world, and in terms of physical size, a population of 210 million people, natural resources, an advanced industrial economy, a politicized working class, extreme wealth inequality, a democratic mass movement, and hard geographically to push around by the big powers, Brazil could have, and maybe still will, Give rise to a really progressive, popular government that could shake not only South America but the world. I always thought that Lula's and Dilma Rousseff's PT would fall, that it had compromised more than necessary with international finance capital, and that while life did get better for the poor, the transformation was not as dramatic as people had hoped for or expected. Then came the extreme right-wing president and religious fanatic Bolsonaro, an ally of Trump and Steve Bannon, and who, like Trump, was a pandemic denier. Brazil is one of the worst hotspots for COVID in the world, after Bolsonaro refused to take it seriously. Well, President Bolsonaro was just diagnosed as having contracted COVID-19 and is reported to be drinking hydroxychloroquine, which most doctors say won't help and might kill him. What happens in Brazil matters to the whole world, and not only because the Amazon is the lungs of the earth. The further destruction by Bolsonaro's government to the Amazon is adding to the coming climate catastrophe. Now joining us from Sao Paulo, Brazil, is Lorena Barberia. She's a professor at the Department of Political Science at the University of Sao Paulo, and she's been an associate researcher at the David Rockefeller Center for Latin American Studies at Harvard. She's now also the scientific coordinator of the Solidarity Research Network for Public Policies and Society, an interfaculty initiative to study the COVID pandemic and save lives in Brazil. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: So Lorena, give us a quick update on where things are at with COVID. Is is it as out of control as it seemed to have been the last few weeks?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, we've seen, you know, we we started, we had the first cases diagnosed in February and we had the first deaths in early March. And since then, we've seen growing, growing escalation and spread of, of COVID cases throughout the country, Um, we're now the second, we have the second highest deaths only second to the United States and also the second highest amount of infections in the world. So the situation is very critical.
0: Now we know that Bolsonaro, as I said in the introduction, was more or less a Trump-like climate and pandemic denier, uh, perhaps even more a pandemic denier than Trump. Uh, Now that he's been diagnosed with COVID, uh, how has that affected public perception of him and and the whole issue?
1: Well, I think... um, it, it, right now we're still trying to see what's going to happen with him, correct? Because he was only diagnosed yesterday um, and he claims that he's, he has just minor symptoms. Um, and so I think kind of unfortunately that part of the, the problem is it, throughout the pandemic and in, in including this most recent couple of days is that the focus is on him and what's happening with him, and what he believes and what he's doing. And at the same time, uh, we we keep getting a we have a really worse situation on the ground across Brazil. So he continues to kind of uh, like a magnet attract att- attention to him and his whatever's going on with him and his health. Instead of us directing an initiative to coordinate and try to figure out how to lower the number of infections and save more lives on the ground.
0: Obviously, the, the pandemic is not affecting everybody equally. Um, and, and large, large numbers of people uh, in Brazil uh, live in uh, situations where they're on top of each other. I was in Brazil, I guess, 15 years ago, since saw this myself. Uh, many workers who work even in the automobile plants uh, live in uh, favela type situations and uh, where people are very closely uh, on uh, next to other people how how much are these areas getting ravaged and what percentage of the population lives in that kind of situation
1: so one of the things that I think is really important to remember is that as the government responded as the state governments responded because the federal government didn't adopt containment policies. Those policies were adopted by state governments, but they never in rare, rare occasions did states decide to close industry or to close even uh, construction. So we have to remember kind of one of the tragic things if we start thinking about places where the virus transmits and there's a large risk of transmission is in workplaces, correct? and in many of those uh, like situations like like construction these are very uh sites where it's very difficult for you to do that work socially distancing wearing masks there's frequently no water inside on those places to wash yourself so in one of the things that's important is workplaces are a high place of risk and also where people live and also the way that people get from work to home because in cities like sao paulo the poor uh, the average amount of hours that are spent in public transportation, which is also dense and crowded, is about two hours per day at least um, on average. So there's 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 all kinds of different parts of a life of a poor person from where they live, which is usually in a very densely populated community, to getting to work, which is also in a very densely populated, uh, restricted bus or in a metro. uh, And then once they get to work, um, if especially if they were in, in, in in the informal work or if we think about activities like construction or other types of activities, those were never closed. So we had since the onset of the pandemic very unequal conditions where there were some people who could stay home and work from home. And there was large proportions of the population who really didn't have that protection and didn't have uh, neither at home because they lived with many people in, and they're very close to other households. And when they get on, on the bus or when they get to work, there are also conditions that are not protecting them from, from contamination. So increasingly um, what we're seeing is that the highest number of cases and the highest number of deaths um, are starting to, to move Away from people who were traveling abroad and people who contracted the disease during the trip of the virus during a a trip, and increasingly, what we started to see in April and May and in June is that poorer and poorer parts of the population that wasn't able to socially distance and that was still really even even despite all of the activities in place was still uh, largely outside and participating in, in 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 their in their regular livelihoods they those are the populations that were starting to see higher infection rates in those groups uh,
0: what we're reading here is that large sections of the poor voted for bolsonaro uh, wh- why did they in, uh, why did they because my understanding is life did get somewhat better under the pt government the lula and rousseff's uh, and 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 it sounds like the disease is just getting started, really, amongst the poor. If if it's if it's moving in just the last couple of months, then it's likely it's going to get way worse before it gets better. Um, how do you think this is going to affect the politics? Uh, and and where is Bolsonaro now in terms of like opinion polls? Does this mean there could be a revival or is there any revival of the PT? And my understanding is Lula's out of jail, but is he? does he have any restrictions on his political uh, movement? Is he able to retake the public stage?
1: Well, Sonato made a very strategic calculation. He decided not to respond and not to lead the charge on on leading the federal coordination and trying to identify that he was responsible for the pandemic and he shifted the blame to the governors and to the mayors and said um, they're in charge. They're the ones that are going to have to solve the problem because he wanted to absolve himself from uh, knowing that he was going into a situation that was very difficult. And I think wanting to be politically, he he tried to pol- politically position himself to save or to take the the burden of what would happen with the pandemic off of his shoulders and tried to to shift the blame to the governors and to the mayors what's happened is though that unfortunately there hasn't been as much of a strong cohesive opposition to bolsonaro or to 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 criticizing what's not working because there's become a lot, it's a, it's become a very uncoordinated fragmented response across Brazil where everyone is fighting with everyone else at the local level. So mayors are suing governors so that they can mayors aligned with Bolsonaro are suing uh, governors because they want to follow Bolsonaro's policies and not follow if a governor adopts stricter policies. Governors, have different views and different governors in nearby states are loosening restrictions while another one is trying to uh, tighten restrictions. And so there's kind of ensued this really convoluted uh, picture on the ground because uh, everyone is is leading a different fight and trying to kind of uh, articulate a different strategy. And the problem with that is that there's not an organized opposition that has a coherent critique that is united and being very strong. And I can say, for example, the example here in Sao Paulo, uh, the governor supported Bolsonaro and was an ally of, of Bolsonaro in the election, John Doria. Uh, today, he is no longer an ally of the Bolsonaro administration, but um, he's, he's and he was at the beginning very critical of Bolsonaro. But over time, he's diminished his critiques. He's diminished, uh, and he's he's cited more and emphasized more that he's trying to work with the federal government to secure resources uh, for hospitals, for testing, for all the things that needs to happen uh, to fight the pandemic. So he's softened his tone of as an opposition and as a critique as a uh, someone who was criticizing the president. And so, and then so on one hand. People who were really strong and close to Bolsonaro, like John Doria, who had broken away and were criticizing and becoming more vocal, have softened. And the people like the PT in Sao Paulo, who could be more critical, and if we think about Fernando Adagi, who was the the opponent to, to Bolsonaro and who, who was the second runner-up in the election, he has also not been very strong and... Uh, as as an opposition and as someone who's making a very vocal critique of the president or leading a charge. So the PT hasn't also mobilized and been as effective, nor have any other political parties.
0: Well, what's what's holding the PT back, and where's Lula and all this?
1: Lula's at home, <laughs> like <laughs> right, um, like many of us. Um, he's active. He's online. He's been doing a lot of Zoom uh, meetings and, and 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 trying to mobilize and and work with with within the PT and work with communities. But I think the problem is that. Um, that the PT is in a very difficult situation. It's in it's in a fragile situation, and it's very isolated from other political parties in terms of building a coherent uh, opposition to what's to to what's going on. We have to remember that that's the reason Bolsonaro won. Um, we had so many different political parties that couldn't each one wanted to run. Each one wanted to to they they didn't want until the very very end of the election. They didn't want to endorse other candidates. They did. They were very afraid of endorsing uh, Fernando Adagi, and they hesitated. And so that's cost us a lot.
0: That that was the PT candidate.
1: Yes, Fernando Adagi was the PT candidate, and the other candidates that were in the elections in in the in the first in the first runoff of the election when they lost, they were very hesitant to uh, automatically endorse Fernando Adagi when it became clear he was going to run against Bolsonaro and so I think that that's a signal and that's something that we're still living with today. Um, There's still, we haven't effectively constructed uh, a a coordinated opposition to the president. Um, There's been a a more like a ground movement that said we're 70%, we're the 70% who oppose Bolsonaro but it's different to say 70% of voters oppose Bolsonaro than to be a strong organized political part political parties that are opposing the president and really uh combating uh clearly coherently what's wrong with the bolsonaro's response to the pandemic that we're not seeing as much
0: the uh catholic church in brazil what is its attitude to bolsonaro Uh, he is a he's a Bolsonaro's connected to Bannon, and Bannon is connected to the very right wing of the Catholic Church, uh, Cardinal Burke, who are very against Pope Francis. W- where's the leadership of the Catholic Church in Brazil?
1: bolsonaro with, with the religious the religious point is really important. We have to remember he from the beginning, when they tried to close the the essential services, he one of the things that he was really quick and strategic, is to say, praying was uh, an essential service, and churches were in social essential service, and that's the part where on the ground, even though the church has a very complicated relationship with Bolsonaro, um, that's a really on the ground decision that a lot of churches have not been very strong about uh, how how are how are religious services going to be organized? Are they going to are they going to do in person services or not? And so Bolsonaro, that's the kind of thing that Bolsonaro is very good at using to say they're on my side. <laughs> if somebody decides to hold mass on Sunday, or if somebody decides to convene and want to pray in the church, he uses that as as evidence to say that he's this is the sign this is sign this is signs of that what he's fighting for and the policies he's proposing they're supported on the ground, even though the church leadership doesn't. Perhaps in the Catholic Church agree with his policies, and so he, it's a very complicated uh, situation because he is very intelligent and manipulative of that 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 tension and of trying to kind of use that uh, to make voters uncomfortable or to make voters realize and uh, mistrust church officials when they don't side with him because he says, "Look, I'm the good guy. I'm the one that wants." to keep us praying. Um, and that's an example of kind of how he's very, uh, he's very combative even with with religious authorities. He's, he's launched critiques and he's been very effective in appealing to people uh, using kind of those very simple examples of practices that you could do, like going to church, that means that you and him agree Right. And you have the same viewpoints, and you you have the same priorities.
0: Are people wearing masks?
1: So, in the surveys, most uh, most of the people, when you ask in a survey if they're wearing masks, people are uh, cite that they're wearing masks. On the ground, I can tell you that when you're out and, and you're in a supermarket or if you're in somewhere observing, there's a lot of problems with mask use. Um, first of all, because I think it's been so complicated, even if you think about going back to Bolsonaro, when Bolsonaro appears with a mask like yesterday, when he, he, was, he had already tested positive for COVID and he was giving an interview to journalists explaining of his positive test results, after answering a couple of questions as he was walking away, he took off his mask and continued to speak to the reporters. So, And, and he's done that since uh, he started wearing masks. It's, so it's an example of something very visible, but very confusing to, to people who are watching him on television and watching how he, he acts. It's not clear, like, when I use the mask, what, it, what is it all that I need to do? I put it on, I don't take it off for a couple of hours... Uh, I need to wash it as if immediately before I get home or when, once I arrive at home. There's not been that type of clarity of message about something so simple as a mask. So even if people who want to, to help protect others use a mask, often what we find in the streets is people are so confused. They don't understand really what, what can I do and cannot do with a mask. And that's because even, uh, even on that issue, he has manage to confuse people about mask use and, and what is what is it and why you should do it and how how you should uh, abide by a mask policy when you, when you have a, your mask on.
0: How has the pandemic affected the indigenous population, Lorena?
1: Ah, uh, unfortunately, we're seeing, uh, we've been monitoring a lot. We're looking at death rates and infection rates by state and I have to tell you that uh, when we started to see the numbers in the Amazon, we couldn't uh, understand the data at first. We were uh, really troubled. Um, we have to remember that we started to see high death rates in the Amazon in May. And it, it, it was it's very hard to understand in late April and early May uh, how quickly – the Amazon uh, as a state and in Manaus, the health system began to collapse, how quickly the pandemic reached such a remote area of Brazil uh, and 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 so it, it's it continues, it's, it's become more stabilized in the Amazon but now what we're seeing is the indigenous communities who are in the what we call the western part of Brazil, now those indigenous communities are starting to become much more affected and we're seeing again really high rates of, of death uh, in those communities. And it's a very, very big source of concern because yesterday, in addition to everything, Bolsonaro vetoed, as while, while being diagnosed with COVID, um, he vetoed legislation. That was being proposed in the chamber of deputy deputies to pro- to protect the indigenous population and increase funding for health care for indigenous populations one of his his uh, he had time in the middle of recovering from covid yesterday to veto legislation to protect indigenous people 's health
0: Jesus and lorena, how is that affecting the actual Amazon itself the trees which I said earlier the the lungs of the earth. Uh, In terms of the coming climate, I shouldn't say coming, we were already here, but it's gonna get worse, the climate catastrophe. The Amazon, certainly one of the most critical places on earth, Uh, how has Bolsonaro policies affected the uh, culture of the natural culture of the Amazon And, and, and has it gotten any better or worse in the times of pandemic?
1: In the presidential cabinet, Meeting that uh, was taped and that was eventually tele- televised nationally to all in all of Brazil after the minister of justice was fired, we got to see exactly what the presidential cabinet meetings are like. And one of the things that was raised in that meeting was exactly that. Um, it's, it's it was it's a meeting that was taped in March, so we're already in the middle of of everything that's going on. Uh, and, and they were talking about how advantageous it was for them that we would be focused on the pandemic and that they could then advance the policies that we, have, we as a society or different groups in opposition were opposed to, including the Amazon. So it was specifically cited as an opportunity. This is, the, this is what we can do and we have evidence from, those, from that meeting that that's actually a policy that's endorsed by the government and that several ministers agree with those policies that, that we're gonna advance an agenda in, the, in, in indigenous uh, territories and in the Amazon to advance development in against agreements. And we're gonna do that because no one's gonna be paying attention because they'll be paying attention to the pandemic.
0: And do they not believe there's such a thing as the climate climate change and greenhouse effect? I mean, they just don't believe it, or it doesn't matter because it's about the money.
1: I think they don't believe it. Um, in general, it's the same thing as when Bolsonaro talks about uh, the the coronavirus. There's a there's a sense of kind of fatality of like this is the way things are, and uh, and some people have to die of COVID. This is what he says, you know, I'm not, he's, he's on record as saying, I'm, I'm not the Messiah, even though I'm, my middle name is Messiah, but I'm not the Messiah. And some of us are going to have to die and that's life. I'm it's, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. So he has kind of a very fatalistic view and on climate, it's the same thing. Um, He's very skeptical. He doesn't believe uh, in the scientific uh, explanations. And, and he does, he, he, he really uh, understands very clearly. And what he knows that he entered office is to bring economic growth. And so he is still fixated on that. Uh, he understands that if he's gonna re- be reelected, the economy has to improve. And so he's, his concern, even right now in the middle of the pandemic, where the top second country of deaths, he's announcing labor reforms. Because we have to get the economy growth uh, back, getting we have to get growth back on the board. So,
0: and by labor and by labor reforms, you mean weakening unions?
1: Yes. Yeah, so he wants to get back to his reform agenda, so the economy can can uh, be reignited. That's what his concern is right now, um, and that's the agenda he's he's trying to put forward. Um, in, in the middle, instead of thinking about a lot of things that we've talked about during the pandemic, expand is expanding cash transfer programs, thinking about all kinds of restructuring that's going on of workers and how we can help to provide unemployment uh, an benefits and reduced hours and thinking about what types of re- arrangements companies can make to keep workers hired, especially the workers that can't work from home. Those, are, those kinds of reforms or those kinds of social programs are not the priority. Right now, what we're seeing is instead, we're going to go back to the reforms that he started when he entered office. Reforms to reduce workers' rights.
0: You were talking about how fractured the progressives are in Sao Paulo. Um, do you see something change? throughout brazil right Uh, so you see that changing i mean is there there obviously has to be some kind of popular front is there not a force that can organize that i'm
1: still optimistic i i think i want to you know unfortunately i think as an opposition force we haven't been coherent and strong in terms of seeing political parties unite and be an effective opposition but the institutions in general, are still working and are still uh, not in agreement and not following what Bolsonaro wants to do. We have, you know, the justice, the Supreme Court, um, many instances in the judiciary, the Brazilian Chamber of Deputies, and even like if, if what we're talking about with the governors and then the mayors. The majority of governors and mayors are implementing policies that are trying to protect social distancing, trying to save lives, um Trying to, to question what is incorrect about Brazil's response and wanting to do the right thing, um, so it's not all uh, as gloomy. And the, and the one thing that I think is really important is that we're we also have a really important public health system that a, a, a public health. Uh, really well-run or well-organized system in place from very small communities to the national level, we have the SUS, right? The, and, and so the extent, if we see the deaths that are in today in Brazil, and even though we know that there's under-testing, there's high amounts of mortality that are, that are taking place uh, throughout Brazil right now, but that situation is nothing to what it would be without a public health system in Brazil. Um, we have we have so much to think that there's a that the SUSE is in place that people are have a place to get treated people have a place they have hospitals that's something that's really important to understand and it's an institution that is is really important right now to give us hope so even though the opposition is not uh, as effectively mobilized at least we have the institutionals that that are working better than, than we should always uh, expect, given that the, the opposition, is, opposition is fragile, Opposite, the, the institutions are still there and they're working.
0: And at the level of state governments, is there any measures being taken to protect the Amazon?
1: So at the level of, of one of the things that's very hard is we have to remember in the state, especially if we're, we're talking about Amazon as the state of where the, there's a number of states where, where the Amazon forest passes. But if we could use that as an example, uh, the policies that were passed to protect or to take more assertive measures were passed at the state level within the context that there's a very large city in manaus which is is a very ha, had a very kind of strong epicenter of the pandemic and so kind of from the beginning we have this kind of strange situation that, Manaus did not undertake really strong, stringent measures, and only the only measures that were in place were the same measures that the govern the govern, governor of Amazonas was, was implementing. And Manaus didn't make specific extra or additional policies to protect or to try to limit the pandemic from, from Manaus spreading into the rest of, of the more rural and poor parts of, of the state. And so I think that's part of what one of the problems is that In order for this to work correctly, you need mayors and governors to to mobilize and to work together. And large cities where there's large, poor amounts of, of the population, those are the places where we needed the response to be stronger and for there to be additional restrictions. And in a lot of settings that didn't happen, the policies that were in place that applied in rural areas were expected to work the same in urban density four areas. And we know that the policies don't work the same in those environments.
0: All right, Lorena, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: And thank you for joining us on the Analysis.News podcast.